You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Today might be the shortest Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban fantasy football show we've ever had, ever. And that's going to be because of the fact that the championship games were played, there's a two-week hiatus for the Super Bowl, so we're not really going to get into our predictions for the Super Bowl till next week. And we're just going to have the news and the recap. Uh, obviously, there's not a lot of fantasy football news happening right now. There's some Senior Bowl stuff, and I think in the offseason we'll get into some uh, NFL draft-type stuff because that definitely helps with the fantasy football season. But outside of that, uh, this is going to be a bare-bones episode, but it will still make it fun for you. The breaking news is... It's significant. I mean, the former Ravens assistant and passing game coordinator, David Culley, was hired as a Texans coach. And my viewpoint on this is, what is up with the hires this year? You know, there's been hires in the past where you're like, oh, that's an innovative hire. And yeah, this guy doesn't have a lot of experience, but there's some innovation there. And I just feel like with these hires this year, there was a lot of people that didn't have a lot of experience, but also weren't that innovative. I mean, David Culley was a passing game coordinator for the Ravens, and if you saw the Ravens passing game, it was nothing to be that excited about or to say, man, I need that on my team. Whoever's designing that, we, we, we need 100% of what that of what the Ravens are doing in their passing game. Um, and, I mean, I'm not going to rip on the hiring, which I, I basically already did, uh, as much as I'm just going to say that, you know, Deshaun Watson requested a trade. And there's rumors before that that he was requesting a trade. And when you go and trade or when you go and hire David Coley as a head coach after Deshaun Watson was looking at other guys that they wanted the Texans to at least interview, it uh, really goes to show you that the Texans are tone deaf. And this is, you know, this hiring happened after the, uh, you know, McNair stated, hey, I really want to uh, listen to what. You know, the fans are saying what the Deshaun Watson has to say. Obviously, we have a culture problem that I need to fix, and so I'm going to work hard to fix it. And then he basically just goes and does whatever he wants still and makes these hires. Um, you know, we've already talked about the general manager hire uh, that they made, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, and, you know, just this head coaching hire is <laughs> seems like it's more of just being tone deaf to what, Deshaun Watson once. So he's on the trading block. Now they're saying they're not going to trade him. Or I shouldn't say he's on the trading block. He's requesting a trade. Texans are saying, oh, we're not going to trade him. He's our franchise guy. But how can you keep Deshaun Watson on your team if he doesn't want to be there, especially being at a key position like the quarterback position? So I haven't seen a team just butcher their past two seasons more than the Houston Texans right now. And they went from promising with some talent to basically just going into a full rebuild. I mean, I don't see what they're doing here. It's if, if I'm a Texans fan, I'm I'm pretty disgruntled. 
And that's not to even say or, or you know, shed light on the fact that J.J. Watt might be out on his way out and looking to go somewhere else. So it, uh, it's definitely something to worth, you know, worth monitoring, and we'll see how this whole thing pans out. But, you know, again, it's not looking good for the Texans. Lovey Smith hired as a Texans defensive coordinator soon after. Uh, it's good to see Lovey back in the NFL. He was a good coach. And then as soon as he was fired, he kind of faded away a little bit. He coached the University of Illinois. Thought maybe that would give the program a jump start. It didn't. He ended up getting fired there, which, you know, I don't see a lot of coaches going into, you know, University of Illinois and, and turning that football program around, especially as quick as uh, I think they're expecting over there. So he's now the defensive coordinator for the Texans, which I really like. He was a, a great defensive coordinator. And so to see him back in the NFL doing that, I, I think that's a good move for the Texans. And it's just going to depend on what their pieces are. Um, it's it's going to be one of those situations where I think, again, they're going to be rebuilding. And so you're going to have to give the defense some time. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Matt Canada hired as a Steelers offensive coordinator. And that was big news because it was rumored, oh, he's hired, and then they started interviewing people. Um, you know, they hired or they interviewed Hugh Jackson, um, formerly of the you know Cleveland Browns head coach. And so you were wondering if the Steelers were going to go look to the outside or they were going to keep it in house, and they kept it in house and hired Matt Canada, which I think is a good move. You only have another year of Roethlisberger and. You know, it's not even definite that he's going to be back, but I think he's going to be back. He's already said that he's going to, you know, stay for whatever money he, you know, they give him. So it sounds to me like he's willing to stretch out his contract money because he's owed like forty-one million this year, and uh, that'll be good news for the Steelers to be able to keep some of those defensive components. And you know, he wants Juju Smith-Schuster to be back. I just don't see him being back with the Steelers cap situation. Even if they're able to trim off a lot from Roethlisberger's contract, I think that needs to go in, into the defense of like you know extending T.J. Watt and uh, being able to maybe bring Bud Dupree back. So it'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do this off season. But you know, people are saying the Steelers might be in a rebuild. I don't see them as as being in a rebuild, but they're definitely going to have to. Uh, you know, keep that defense together and, and slowly work uh, on improving that offense. They need to revamp their offensive line and uh, get that running game going before they can uh, before they're even considered a, a championship contender. Matthew Stafford's on the trading block in Detroit, and that's good news for Detroit. And you might laugh at that, saying, "Why is that good news for Detroit?" Well, Lions aren't going to be winning for a while. They haven't been winning for a while anyways it's kind of like the old saying um with uh with the pittsburgh pirates manager back in the day where it's like hey i can win or i can lose with you so i can definitely lose without you and matthew stafford could still bring a return and i think that's a smart move for detroit like you know get the return you can get for matthew stafford and uh, start the rebuild i think that definitely puts the detroit Lions in the market for drafting a quarterback this year and we'll obviously get into what quarterbacks might be available and which ones are, you know, good, uh, a, a good bet to draft on in the first round and which ones maybe will be drafted in the first round that might not be as good of bets. But um, the Lions have 
you know, a lot of choices with that pick. I think they draft seventh overall, so there's going to be someone available to them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that Dan Campbell hire definitely showed that they're going for a rebuild. And to be honest, the reason why, you know, a lot of people don't like it, but I think one of the reasons why they did that is they know they're rebuilding. So why hire some big head coach that, uh, you know, that's wanting to do all these things and, and basically wanting to win. It's basically like, let's put someone in there that, you know, we'll give him a shot. We're going to be rebuilding. So he's going to be in a situation where we're losing. And then when we're on the verge of winning, maybe then we'll worry about getting in a head coach that can uh, take us over the hump. So I, I think Dan Campbell is one of those things where they hired to fire, basically. And I know he signed a six-year contract, but I don't see it as, um, I, I think it's them, you know, maybe having him coach the three years and saying, okay, well, you know, our rebuild's going well, let's, let's take it to the next level, and, and then maybe dropping Dan Campbell at that point. Uh, we'll see, but I can't see any other reason to be hiring him other than that component of, hey, we're, we're, we're rebuilding, let's get in a coach here that can maybe rally the troops you know, in, in a losing uh, environment for a while. And, uh, yeah, that's really it for the news. Um, uh, it's kind of, uh, there'll obviously be a lot of off-season news coming up, but, you know, a week before the Super Bowl, it's or two weeks before the Super Bowl, uh, the, there's not going to be a whole lot of inf- information and news going on uh, un- until the Super Bowl's over. So we'll uh, get right into our uh, recap of the conference championships. So let's talk about the conference championship games that uh, just happened last week. I'm really disappointed in the Buffalo Bills. I thought they were going to put together a better game than what they did. It really just shows the strength of the Chiefs. I mean, their defense is really starting to come together at the right time, and their offense is just unbelievable. I mean, they have so many weapons that it's really hard, I think, for anyone to be able to uh, to, to stop this offense right now. And they've played a lot of close games during the season, but it's almost like, hey, you know, this is the time to shine and get to the championship. It's like they were able to flip a switch and just uh, take it to the next level. And they have. I mean, you have Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey. You have, yeah, you have you have a lot going on. So, um, And then on the other game with the Buccaneers and the Packers, I you know, I figured it was going to be a close game. It was kind of a toss-up on who was going to win. It was the Battle of the Bays. It was the uh, AARP Bowl with uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. It's really like that for the whole NFC championships, to be honest. So, uh, but regardless, Tom Brady, the more things change, the more they stay the same. He just uh, came from the Patriots, taking them to the Super Bowl a couple years ago to going to the Buccaneers very first year and, and going to the Super Bowl. I saw a crazy stat where it said Rob Gronkowski in like his 10-year career has been to nine championship games and seven Super Bowls. That's just outrageous. It's basically, I mean, his percentage of going to Super Bowls is higher than teams' winning percentages in total. Um, I also saw a stat of Tom Brady. Um, He has been to the Super Bowl 47% of his career. Uh when you count all the years up that he's been compared to the years he's played, 
So he's more likely to go to a Super Bowl than Steph Curry is in making a three-pointer because Steph Curry's three-point percentage is 43% total. So that's just crazy to think about and uh, just how dominant. And, you know, there's a lot of Tom Brady haters, and I get it. I'm not fond of Tom Brady, especially with all the scandal with the the flake gate and the spy gate and all, you know, all the whatever gates that have happened with the Patriots. But at the same time, got to give the guy his props. I mean, going to the Super Bowl as much as he has, as many championships as he's won. I mean, six Super Bowls, he potentially gets seven Super Bowls. I mean, in, in the NFL, especially in the salary cap era, that's just unheard of. So he's definitely going to go down as the greatest ever. And it doesn't even matter if he wins this game. But uh, getting into the game... I thought the biggest thing was it was kind of deceiving because Tom Brady really wasn't that good. He threw three interceptions, uh, kept giving the Packers a chance to get into it, and they they just couldn't. I mean, Aaron Jones had a costly fumble from uh, Jordan Whitehead, you know, giving them a helmet to the the football deep in the uh, in uh, Packer territory, and uh, Aaron Rodgers had an interception, but. Uh, like I said, it's just the Buccaneers outplayed the Green Bay Packers. They were the more physical team. Uh, the, the the big thing for me is Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to get comfortable in the pocket. The Buccaneers were able to really annihilate the, uh, the Packers offensive line and, and really make it uh, uncomfortable for Aaron Rodgers to throw it. Aaron Rodgers obviously does Aaron Rodgers things and was able to... Uh, fight that off a little bit and still make plays, especially with the uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, play, the you know, the 50-yard bomb. And then, uh, you know, Valdez Scantling had a really great game. He only had four catches, but 115 yards in, in the touchdown. And that's just kind of the things he does. He's a, a deep play threat, and he's going to get his shots throughout the game, and he doesn't get many shots, but when he does, he takes advantage of them and and uh, makes a lot of plays for this uh, for this offense. Devontae Adams, I mean, he was targeted a lot. They really held him in check, only 67 yards. He did score his touchdown, though. Good for him. And then Robert Tanyan, I thought that uh, the Packers would maybe utilize him a lot more with the Buccaneers' weakness being the tight end position. He uh, only had 22 yards and a touchdown. It was, you know, the touchdown pretty much saved him. And... Uh, Everyone else was just kind of, you know, it's like Alan Lazard got 62 yards on three catches, which is a great average, but uh, I thought you might see a little more Alan Lazard doing things against this defense. Aaron Jones wasn't able to run the ball. Jamal Williams wasn't able to run the ball. A.J. Dillon actually looked pretty good running the ball, but he only got three carries. So it's uh, it was one of those things, you know, and again, Aaron Jones fumbled twice. He only lost one of them, but... Where they had those turnovers were really costly. And then uh, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side with Tom Brady. He uh, threw for 280 yards and had three touchdowns. So, yeah, he threw the three picks, but those three touchdowns were, you know, made it a push in regards to the TD interception ratio. Leonard Fournette looked okay. I mean, I, I thought the Buccaneers would be able to run the ball a little bit better than they were able to. Ronald Jones, I thought he was going to be a great play. He ran the ball ten times, but only had sixteen yards. So when you get you're getting well under two yards a carry, that's not getting it done. And, and Leonard Fournette had twelve carries, so basically two more than uh, Ronald Jones, and was able to get fifty-five yards. But that really came on that twenty-yard touchdown run that he had. Uh, you, you take that away, and I mean it was a little more 
appealing than what Ronald Jones was able to do, but not much. Godwin, I mean, 110 yards, great game, especially for only five catches. Mike Evans got his touchdown, but he was kind of held in check, which he figured he would since he was going against uh, Mackenzie Alexander. He got uh, 51 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Scotty Miller got 36 yards and a touchdown. Scotty Miller's always getting those touchdowns. <laughs> uh, it's the second game in a, in a row. And it was crazy uh, on this uh, touchdown that he got because it was like the last play of the, the second of the first half. And it was like, oh, you know, the Packers are, you know, they might get a field goal, but there's no way they're going to score. You know, the Packers are going to be able to play a umbrella prevent type defense to keep everything in front of them. And Scotty Miller goes sneaking past and uh, Brady was able to hit him for that touchdown. And it was like, how does that happen? That's like the easiest play. It wasn't even contested. I don't know what the Packers were doing on that play. They definitely weren't calling a defense that they should have been calling. Like I said, it need they really need to keep everything in front of them. Uh, more of like a cover, cover six, a cover four, like anything. And they didn't. They <laughs> they let Scotty Miller score at the end of the half. So I think right there was pretty much the game because the, the if the Packers were able to get out of there with the Buccaneers not scoring or even a field goal that would have uh, been a huge difference in in, in this game. But uh, it uh, gave the Buccaneers a comfortable lead going into the second half. Anyway, Gronkowski only had one catch for 29 yards. Really, uh, I thought Gronkowski might do a little bit better. Uh, Tyler Johnson, I thought he would have a good game with... Uh, uh, and he didn't, he, especially with Antonio Brown not playing, you know. I, I thought Tyler Johnson would be the guy to step up. He had one catch for 16 yards, only had two targets. really wasn't a factor. Uh, Devin White did Devin White things. I mean, he had 15 tackles. He was just all over the place. This whole playoff, Devin White just really showed his value. He was, you know, a top-five pick in the draft, uh, not this last year but the year before. And he recovered a fumble on top of that. I mean, Devin White's just, he's going to be a stud. I mean, he already is a stud, but, I mean, he's going to be a household name here coming up. It was just really good to see him. And, I mean, you're going to have the two Devin brothers, Devin Bush and Devin White in the middle, uh, Devin Bush for the Steelers. And it's just going to be, those are going to be the future of middle linebacking. Uh, just watching both of those guys, they're they're both really good playmakers and uh, really the future of both the, the uh, middle linebacker position. Um, but yeah, outside of that, uh, Shaq Barrett getting three sacks and how bad you have to feel if you're a Bronco fan, you know, watching Shaq Barrett get three sacks. Now I get that they had Von Miller and they drafted Bradley Chubb, but I mean, you had him, he was a backup for you all those years and you didn't even give him a chance. And then he goes to another team and he's just dominating it was like you had that in your own backyard and you let that get away. So, you know, I I, I talked to some Bronco fans and it's just a travesty that, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing Shaq Barrett do that now when he could have been doing that before. But it's really, you know, Shaq Barrett's a great uh, edge rusher, one of the best in the game right now, to be honest. And he stepped up in a key moment when it was time to step up and now they're going to the Super Bowl. So this Kansas City Chief and Green Bay Packer matchup is going to be uh pretty crazy it and i'm, I'm not sure who i'm going to pick right now because buccaneers they're looking good have the hot hand i really like how well-rounded they are offensively and defensively 
And again, it comes down to that Chiefs offense. It's just uh, it's a really good offense. And in the Buffalo Kansas City game, Kansas City won 38-24, but uh, I think Josh Allen they were able to contain him a little bit. I mean, I know he had 287 yards passing with two touchdowns, uh, but that uh, interception was pretty big and at a really bad time. And to be honest, the Chiefs should have had more interceptions. Josh Allen threw a lot of balls out there that looked like they were, should have been picked or went right into the hands of the Chiefs that were dropped. Um, Josh Allen was able to get 88 yards rushing. You knew he was going to be the main rushing guy there because Singletary, as much as I, I kind of liked him coming out of the draft, he's uh, you know he has some speed, but he's really not showing any vision and uh, is, is, you know, with uh, Zach Moss being hurt, trying to get more of the workload, he's he's showing that he's not th- that effective in that role. He he really is better when he's just a change of pace guy for this offense. Uh, Beasley, I mean, he had a broken leg. Cole Beasley was playing on a broken leg. Uh, obviously not a complete break, uh, but still, it, seven catches for 88 yards, nine targets, really gutsy performance by him. And Stephon Diggs getting 77 yards. He had 11 targets. I was disappointed in the fact that he was targeted so much, but really barely caught over 50% of the targets. And uh, I think he could have done a lot more in this game. And and Dawson Knox is really starting to come on. I've been impressed with him during this postseason. He really wasn't used or utilized that much in the regular season. But this postseason, they've really been throwing to him. I mean, he had eight targets, had six catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. And he's... I had a, you know, this is the second touchdown in the postseason, and uh, I'm really intrigued by Dawson Knox next year if they continue to uh, keep up that pace of, uh, you know, the way they utilized him. So, you know, obviously that's something we can talk about for the offseason, but uh, Dawson Knox really ends his season on a really great note and uh, is promising to think about in the future. John Brown didn't do anything, two catches, 24 yards, and, uh, you know, that, that's really about it. Buffalo defense wasn't able to to manage the Chiefs' uh, offense. And, uh, again, that's surprising because you look at the the, the players, Davis White, they have uh, uh, Edmonds. Uh, Edmonds is, uh, I think he's another middle linebacker that's uh, one of the best in the league. And uh, they just weren't able to put it together. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, 326 yards passing, three touchdowns, doing Patrick Mahomes things. I Tyreek Hill had 172 yards on nine catches. He didn't score. He even had a 71-yard uh, catch, but he didn't score, and and that's fine. I mean, he's he's just so dynamic. He's able to do so much. He, you know, you, he's also great at like reverses and things. So just get the ball in his hands, and I don't. He's just so fast and, and quick that it, it, he's he's tough to defend. And it's really, Mahomes doesn't have to do much. Just get Tyree Kill the ball, and he'll take care of the rest. Travis Kelsey had 13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Targeted 15 times. That's just insane for a tight end to be targeted that much. That's even more than most number one wide receivers. Travis Kelsey is a beast and a freak of nature. Mahomes trusts him. They have a great chemistry. And uh, that's I, I think that's going to be tough for the Buccaneers to defend in the in the Super Bowl. Uh, outside of that, though, the the passing game they didn't really, they didn't really need too much else. I mean, Hardman had that one four yard catch, for and he scored, so great that he scored on that. But uh, yeah, outside of that, there there really wasn't a lot of uh, action 
from uh, in in the passing game when when Hill and Kelsey is basically taking over all of it. I mean, between the two, they had twenty six targets. So uh, that's twenty six out of thirty eight total for Mahomes. That's that's basically their whole offense or passing game, I should say. Daryl Williams, he actually ran the ball pretty well. I enjoyed watching him. Thirteen carries for fifty two yards. He scored a touchdown. He. I think he's their best back that they have. Now, Damien Williams is coming back next year, so I'm not saying that's going to be the case for next year. But towards the end of the season, I like Daryl Williams better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I liked him better than Le'Veon Bell. Daryl Williams was just a more dynamic back, and he could do everything. You can keep him in there for all three downs. And uh, I, I think he's going to have a tough go in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. But, uh, again, I think Daryl Williams is, going to, is the better back. And uh, he needs to be the one that gets the majority of the workload in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs to have a chance against this Buccaneers defense on the, on the on the ground. So good games. Uh, it's good to see, you know. And and this was the opposite. You know, the other one was like the AARP matchup. This one was like the youngins. You know, Mahomes and Josh Allen. Mahomes in his uh, what third year? Allen in his second year. This is uh. This is, well, maybe it's Mahomes' fourth year, but regardless, this is a, a matchup of up-and-coming future uh, stars of the NFL. So it was good to see. Bills, you know, they're they're going to be back, I think. If they can get that defense shored up and uh, not so not put so much on Josh Allen, where Josh Allen basically has to do everything, you know, throw it to Diggs or, or run the ball himself. I mean, uh, it really all goes through Allen. So if they can get some more weapons for him on offense and shore up that defense... I definitely think the Bills can be back. It's just so hard with this, these Chiefs. Like these Chiefs look like a dynasty, just waiting to happen with uh, Mahomes at quarterback. It's you know I don't see any teams being able to beat the Chiefs at this point. This is going to be back to back years. They might be back to back Super Bowl champions. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll preview the Super Bowl next week and uh, really great uh, conference championship games and and one you know uh, again it, we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers in the off season. Uh, he's saying he might not be back. It's looking like he's going to be back. I mean, the Packers aren't going to let Aaron Rodgers go anywhere. And uh, the the Buccaneers, you know, obviously this might be their last chance to do anything depending on the future of Tom Brady and some of their other veterans like, uh, you know, Gronkowski and uh, Antonio Brown. And, uh, you know, as soon as Brady is gone from the Buccaneers, this team's going to look completely different. And you just wonder how many years they have left. But, uh, again, it's going to be a good matchup, and uh, I can't wait to watch it. That wraps it up for the Burke and Miz, the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Show. We'll be right back at it next week to give you our Super Bowl preview and also start our year in review for fantasy football. And we're going to be starting with the quarterbacks, 1 through 15. So I hope you can join us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.